This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. Hello everyone. Um, Yes, yet another, yet another really surprising, worrying, troubling... Mm fascinating and complicated discussion about screen violence and whether our teens are seeing too much, whether there's a distinction between fiction versus fact. How does it change our kids? Are they being brutalised? I fear that they are. Mm. I fear that they are. Um, But, yeah, I mean, some of these chats are very difficult. Mm. You know, as a parent, you really do want to say, oh, I don't want to see anything, hear anything, know anything, because it's almost too much to bear. But I suppose it's part of being trying to be a good parent is, is not shying away from a difficult conversation. And for those listeners who've recently commented on the fact that the music at the front of these chats is a bit too jaunty and upbeat, we'll, we'll try and consider some different music for some of these chats. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Confessions of a Modern Parent. Yes, welcome. Sorry if I'm talking Ooh, a little bit, a bit strangely. Strange. I, had, um, I had a bit of a... Nightmare at the dentist, and I've got a very sore tongue. So I'm Sound like you've a got bit, a whistle. Yeah, I'm talking a bit strangely. I've had to talk a lot today already. Yes. So oh, I'm protecting it from it. <laughs> so would you rather we did a whole sort of audio chat without chat? Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? You can't see me. I can't make up with flashing eyes and big smiles. So no, your just hair bear can't, with, can't save bear you. with my slightly lispy voice. All right, well, I'll, I'll try and help you through it. Um, so today's chat is about violence, um, more specifically screen violence, or the violence that our teenagers witness and see uh, readily and in their day to day experience. And often exposed to without actually really wanting to. Yeah, but this is very different to violence that they see on the streets, violence they experience no, this at is school. A, yeah, this is the things like somebody coming up to you in school and showing you something totally horrific on yeah. Twitter or Instagram that we've been hearing about over the years, haven't we, with our girls? Um, yeah, I mean, what what young people have to... What young people witness... I mean, I couldn't have even dreamt up in my wildest imagination, darkest, darkest imagination. But to be honest um, with you, I can't... I've had some really scary conversations over the last couple of years with, with young people about the sort of things they see. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to them because as we kind of came into this conversation, I'm usually... I, I feel like I'm usually plugged into certainly the kind of pop culture end of things. I have very strong opinions and I have a very sort of intimate understanding of how violence has been shown in films, how it, how it's shown in video games. Uh, obviously, we're across the kind of news and it's not that violence is ever shown in news in a sort of without a warning or without them saying, look, you know, watch the, you know what you're about to watch is deeply distressing. But it's how, I mean, I think what interests me a bit is how the benchmark over the years has shifted and perhaps lowered and how the tolerance level has just increased. Mm. Because it was interesting, I was talking on, we do a, on our YouTube channel, we do a sort of morning news briefing. Um, it also involves us singing and being stupid, but, but principally it looks around the news. And it's really interesting that we have a huge Irish following and I think we have a huge Irish following listening to these chats. And when we talk about violence quite quickly for someone in Northern Ireland and Ireland, the notions of violence are much 
different or understandings of violence are much more different to what ours are in, say, London. And yet, you know, they're British, they're, they're from the same country. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, it's all dependent on where you come from and what you've got used to, I think, dictates what you're used to seeing and what you're used to witnessing and what will be shocking. I think everyone's shock level has ch- is different and has changed over the years. I mean, I remember saying to Maddie recently, do you think you're desensitised? She said, I wouldn't say desensitised. She said, but each time I see something, there's usually something even worse I've seen. However bad it is, there's oh, something right. yeah. even worse. So yeah. I tend to... So she said, I tend to say, oh, yeah, but I've seen such and such. I said, well, that is desensitised. Yeah. That is actually desensitised. Um, so we often do in these chats, we sort of scroll back and sort of look at what we were used to as when, when we were kids. And when I was a kid, I don't remember seeing any violence anywhere that was untoward. The first time I began to see violence that was potentially damaging or worrying was, I think, with a film called Driller Killer, Video Nasties. There was a video, and it was, the, you know, one of the first video nasties. You remember that? It was all that kind of, ban these videos because they're video nasties. And you look at them now, and they're a positive, you know, jaunt through the park because they're just not as violent as we as we remember them. And that in itself is a story to be told because mm-hmm. I think what was seen as extremely violent then is now seen as almost, oh, my God, it's just literally Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre running through a... This is ridiculous. This is nothing compared to what we've got, got now. What's your... I mean, I, remember, I literally I don't remember seeing anything. I remember once being in Jordan, where my dad's from, and there was some sort of altercation on the street and a policeman lifted his stick at this man. Um, I was so horrified and so upset and it didn't leave me for so long afterwards, this image. Oh, I was you're talking about, about real violence. Sorry, I've seen yeah. lots of real violence. I thought you were talking no, no, about screen violence. No, no, I haven't. I haven't violence. seen... No, I'm, I'm thinking back to the first time that I have a memory of, of violence. violence at all. Because no, what I... we have to understand here is the violence that I'm talking about that our children see, as Maddie says, is worse than anything she's seen in any film, no matter how terrible that film is, because it's always real people. Right. And so my equivalent to what Maddie might have seen and Kiki will have seen is one man raising a stick at another man. And because it was real and it wasn't from the movies, it was horrifying and it kept me sort of, you know, it played on my mind for a long mm. time afterwards. Mm. Um, but on screen, I don't, I can't remember anything. I mean, well, maybe no. we did, maybe we did see, but we don't remember it. Well, no, no, no. I think it's an important point. I, you know, it's really odd that I, I was really digging back because if ever there was a teenage boy that would have been drawn to looking at stuff that I shouldn't have been looking at, I was that boy. Nosy, curious, loved taking things to the edge, loved pushing the boundaries, was always drawn to horror films, all that kind of stuff. And it just, and that's my point, it just wasn't available. You couldn't get it on television. There were only a few channels. There was no such thing as the internet, so there was none there. I was playing computer games, but of course, you know, technology was so rudimentary that, as I've said many times before, I spent most of my childhood trying to get ET on a spaceship that Mm. didn't work. There was no, there was none of this real, you know, point of view, first person, shoot them up, go in and gun people down, which... You know, when I look at computer games now, and I think there's a whole different chat to be had about gamers and gaming and, and, its, and its impact on, on youngsters. You know, it's so visceral. It's so real. It's so first person. It's so experiential that I could well have imagined, you know, if I'd got hooked into that world, not that one would have necessarily dis- struggled to distinguish between real and fiction, but it would have been a really, really challenging 
compulsive behavior that would have developed for me when I was young. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I saw moments of violence at school. You know, everyone sees people get beaten up. Everyone sees people have fights at school. I saw all of that. But I have absolutely zero recollection of anything that was particularly violent on screen. Mm. Well, why don't we hear from Maddie then? Because I think Maddie, I, I spoke to Maddie a couple of days ago um, telling her that we, we were thinking about doing this and she became very animated right. and and eloquent about it. So I thought, oh, my God, this has really fired her up instantly. So yeah. I said, OK, don't tell me anymore. Save it, voice note it, and then we're going to do the podcast around it. And okay. actually, Carlitos, and if this is your first time visiting our podcast, Carlitos is um, our 17-year-old um, contributor, and he is my friend Lisa's son. And he also was very animated and very much wanted to talk about yeah. this to the point where we were a bit unsure, but they seemed so sure that we thought we'd better do it. So yeah. why don't we let them kick us off? Okay. So uh, I think the, I think where I have seen, where personally and what a lot of my friends have, where a lot of my friends have seen the most violence is on social media because... I feel like a lot of people get very um, angry when there's too much violence in movies and worry a lot about their kids seeing violence in films. But I personally... Obviously, everybody's different, so some people it would affect them in movies and others. But personally, I can watch a film and know that it's, you know, a film, if that makes sense, and therefore I don't personally get that traumatised from seeing violence in, uh, in films. But... The thing with seeing violence on social media, like I have, is most of the time it's real-life violence going on, you know, videos of people being beaten or murdered in the streets and just really, really horrific things. Um, And, yeah, so I think, and especially out of all of the social media platforms where I have seen the most violence has been instagram i don't really use twitter and facebook so i'm not sure about those two platforms but instagram is where i've seen all of the really traumatic videos that i i've seen before um with snapchat i think it very much depends on who you have on snapchat i keep my snapchat very much just close friends and mutual friends so no one's really posting stuff like that um but because instagram's so vast and it's kind of it's a lot more open to everyone than snapchat is it's really easy to just pass um very graphic videos uh and i think especially with the whole um i mean with the black lives matter protests and everything you know when everybody was spreading these really traumatic videos i was doing it myself at the start you know of black people being really awfully treated seeing some horrific things and everybody was sharing it to try and spread awareness I've stopped doing that now because, you know, I think a lot of people realise in the black community have come out and said that that it doesn't actually help because all it's really doing is desensitising people um, to watch, you know, black people be brutally beaten or murdered and it doesn't actually spread... You're not doing much by spreading that. All you're really doing is traumatising people and then desensitising them. Um... I feel like, yeah, but again, with all of this, it very much depends. Like, I've never really seen... I have seen violence in person, in the flesh, on the street, but 
I've never seen anything like the videos I've seen on social media and I don't see violence in real life often, but some people do. So, you know, it really does vary. But if I speak from what I know and from what my friends have experienced, then we've seen a lot of very traumatic things on social media. And it's weird, I, I wouldn't call... I wouldn't say that anyone's got PTSD from seeing stuff, but it's just... After you've seen them, you do feel quite shaken up and traumatised. Like, there's been a lot of times I've seen things, I've been like, oh, my God, I can't shake that image from my head. And you get, like, your heart beats really fast. Like, it is just... It is... Some things are really traumatic to see. Um, yeah, and I do think that the scary thing about it is I don't know if young... Like, younger people, like, a lot younger, are aware of what's right and wrong violence because I've also seen a lot of meme pages post awful awful videos some of the worst ones i've seen like as a joke and there'll be a lot of people in the comment there'll be a lot of people in the comments that are like what the hell why are you posting this this is awful but there are a lot of people that find that kind of stuff funny which i just cannot understand um so i feel like if younger people were to see that and see that people found something like that funny then it probably would desensitize them and they wouldn't know the right and wrong wrongs of violence you know and i think the dangers of it, I worry sometimes that as a generation we've been very desensitised by everything that we've seen, but at the same time it's weird because still to this day I've seen a lot of awful videos, like stuff I literally can't even say on here. Um, I've seen really awful stuff and every single time I'll see a really awful video I'll, I'll always be like, oh my God, that's awful. Like I'll never be like, oh, that's not that bad, do you know what I mean? I'm not desensitised like that. But there will be times where I'll see some a traumatic graphic video and I'll be like oh that's awful but that I've seen a lot worse and I feel like I don't know that's kind of the first step of be being desensitized I think because before I'd seen any of that stuff every single video would that I've seen would traumatize me as much as you know the worst one um and I really do think that there is a difference between real violence and fictionalized violence because but again, again, like I said before, that depends on the person. Like, some people find seeing real-life violence easier than fictional violence, which I, I don't personally understand, but, you know. Uh, but personally, I, I think that violence, when I see it in movies... I mean, I know some movies are based on real life and, you know, you can see a lot of things in films that have actually happened. And, I mean, there's definitely been violence that I've seen in movies. I was like, oh, my God, that's awful. But it doesn't really shake me up as much as it does when I see, like, a real-life video. Because when I've seen him film, I'm like, oh, at the end of the day, that was his movie, do you know what I mean? Like, that was fake blood, they were faking it. But real life, like, that's something somebody's actually done to another human being or another thing, and that shocks me still. Um, and, yeah, so sometimes I do worry, especially with, I mean, all of the this whole generation always wanting to spread awareness about stuff, which in some ways is, is great. But I think what many people are coming to realise is that spreading awareness by sharing very graphic videos, traumatising, upsetting images and stuff like that doesn't actually help. Like, you can help a lot more in different ways, which is like, you know, anything, <laughs> anything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's a worry. At the same time, I'm not really sure what, anyone can really do to change that other than tell people not to post those things but there are always going to be people that are posting that kind of stuff 
Um, but yeah, I would definitely say it's a worry. I do worry about kids a lot younger than me seeing it because I think I saw like the first really traumatizing thing. I don't know, maybe about 13, 14, which is still quite young, but there, there will be a lot of kids a lot younger than that that have probably seen worse than I have, you know? Um, so I definitely think it's a worry, but I'm also not sure what anyone can really do about that because, I mean, social media is just so massive now. Oh, it breaks my heart. We all think we're powerless over all the genies that are out of the bottle. And we give up on so much, don't we, believing that this is just our future and our... I mean, I know... I Obviously, Maddie was steering clear of saying, telling us about what those videos were. But I know some of them. I mm, mean, I wonder so if I. we should or shouldn't say it. Well, I know, for example, that she was shown at too young an age a film that was thrust in front of her on a device by another student in a school of a beheading. Yeah. I think that's the thing she's talking about at the very first. Most recently, actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think that's what she was talking about when she said she couldn't get the images out of her head for so long, was um, there were some terrible films that came out of the Chinese concentration camps, you know, where they're, where mm-hmm. they're holding thousands of Muslims. And she, you know, somebody shared this, like she said, to spread awareness, and it was a human being being roasted over a fire. Mm. Now, she's 18. That is absolutely available to every child, mm. no matter what age. Mm. What, what the hell do we do? Well, I think, once again, it goes back to that thing we were talking about more recently, that if the social media platforms can have very simple algorithms that within a nanosecond can mm. target copyright issues exactly. and infringements, surely they have to be able to develop yeah. something with all the AI and tech and billions that they're all making. They must be able to develop something that can pick up this stuff when it comes through. Now, you can't do anything about the dark web. You can't do anything about youngsters sharing um, links to things, to chat rooms. What's to, scary is that they're becoming memes and something to laugh at. Well, the, the, but that is where, that's where I get really worried. And I think she, I mean, there's so many really interesting things in there that I made notes about that she was talking about. Mm. I think it was really key, you know, it's really fascinating what she was saying about Black Lives Matter. Mm. Because on the one hand, I was, as I went into listening to what she was saying, I was thinking, well, there's a very real, really strong, cogent reason for why real images of essentially violence and abuse against a sector of society uh, being segregated and being, you know, um, prejudiced against. This is really important politically, in a sense, to see it. Mm. But then there comes a point, a tipping point. And who's yeah. there? who is there there to measure that tipping point? Because I would argue that the tipping exactly. point of when it becomes exploitative and when it mm. becomes actually... Salacious. Te- well, not just salacious, but it actually demotivates mm. change because people exactly. are like... Well, oh, well, it's all such a nightmare. And it's interesting because I often talk about Sean King, don't know, that I follow on Instagram. And I got a massive education through him, through the Black Lives Matter, and saw a lot of videos that were just horrendous. And actually, now I don't watch the videos. Mm. What I do is I look at every post, and I needed that education. Now I don't watch them. And what I do is I read, because he always puts underneath in text what's happened, and now that's enough. But I'm a 56-year-old woman, and I've made that clear decision because I knew that that Mm. wasn't healthy. And, you know, and he himself is... I feel so sorry for Sean King that he has to look at these every day. Um, But when you think about how often a child 
you know, an impressionable child can either find these things by accident, have them shown in a group. I mean, I was just coming home, you know, just just on my way back from work, and there was a group of schoolboys all around this phone, and there were varied looks of horror, laughing, reluctance, and I. It was interesting because I thought, oh my god, they're looking at something completely horrific Awful. on that phone. Mm. Now. There was tons of boys looking at the one phone. So it's not even like if your child doesn't have a phone, then your child is safe. Safe? No, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's that lack of choice. It's the lack of being able to kind of even mediate. And, you know, one of the other interesting things about that, so you describing that pack of boys, I was just thinking just then, you know, how would I have been if this sort of material was presented to me as a teenager, you know, with everything one doesn't know as a teenager and being a teenager in the 80s? And it's weird because we will read nervous laughter or laughter at something awful that they watch as a desensitizing or uh, a sort of a numbing or they're not getting the... But, you know, laughter is actually a really psychologically, a really nervous response to something really horrific that you see. Sometimes laughter is your only way to get yourself to deal with what, you, with what you're witnessing. I mean, when I, when I, you know, now knowing some of the things I know that youngsters and teenagers can see, and then I sort of present that to myself as a teenager, I can understand why they'd be drawn to more. It's the same compulsion that teenagers are drawn to horror films. They want the thrill. They want the shock. It's like self-harm. And I think sometimes, like, you know, about 18 months ago, Maddie showed me a film, and it was this man beating this woman in the street and he just dragged her across the road. It was in America. Like she was a rag doll and people were just standing, just looking nonchalantly, no responses whatsoever. And I was absolutely horrified. I was like, Maddie, this is just like the worst thing I've ever seen. And she said to me, oh, mum, that's nothing. Mm. But, you know, why was she showing me that? It's like a friend of mine was saying that her son comes and often shows her horrible videos and she's like, why would you show me that? Why would you want to look at that? And we were talking about it and we came to the conclusion that actually maybe he's showing you it because he doesn't know what, what to, to do, do with that, that. information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a teenager and he's used within his peer group to, you know, responding with bravado, you know, hilarity, whatever. Mm. And actually he's looking for some guidance from that. It's funny, just as we were talking, it's just I've just been reminded of what the equivalent imagery was from my childhood and I don't know if you remember it was all the photos that came from Vietnam of that girl who was running down the street the napalm attack and the Agent Orange and all that and I remember being fascinated and horrified and human nature to be fascinated absolutely and and that's what's dangerous about it and that's where it gets really dangerous I think with the news gathering uh, you know services where more and more I notice these days they'll not rather than not show the footage they'll give you the warning and hand the responsibility over to you Mm -hmm. as if anyone is going to kind of go you know I'm just thinking of the footage of of India and and, and the images we grew up with of course as well was concentration camps I mean actually now I'm thinking about it those were my first probably Mm. you know true horror at Mm. what the depravity but of even humanity. in that, but in that, you've got the importance of seeing it to know how horrific it was. So it's really, it's really yeah, difficult. It's a fine line. It's a really fine it's line. It's interesting because Maddie did used to share those those important mm. videos. I think at the beginning of Black Lives Matter, but I love that she responded to that community then saying, "Now it's enough." Yeah. Because we're going past. Well, the because point. it tips over into that thing that a lot of you know program makers are into at the moment: poverty porn, isn't it? At yeah. what point is this crucially important and actually yeah. mobilising change? And, and at what, what point, point is does it, it exploitative? Become 
Yeah, entertainment. Now, she talked a lot then. I know that we have our own big arguments about this in our family. She talked about the very, for her, clear distinction between fictional violence and factual violence. And I was just curious to know what you think about that. I mean, I have very... I think that I I still disagree with the amount of fictional violence that the girls have seen. And I think it's made them more able to deal with the stuff they see for real life. I think that's just a young person not understanding what's been done to her brain. I think it's the same with video games. I think if you sit eight, nine, ten hours blowing each other's brains out, smashing into each other with cars, I think it has an effect. But it's total madness to think that it doesn't. So are you very much suggesting in your sense then that there should be stronger censorship of violence in films and a stronger inaction of the kind of certification? Well, I mean, I, I just think we're beyond censorship. I think that kids find a way to see everything they want to say. It depresses me. See, I mean, I, I think I've always sat in the category of thinking... It's, it's very easy to distinguish between fictional violence and factual violence. But I think you're right. I think if the, if, the, if, the, if the nature of the horror, or if you like, the nature of the shock, the shock of the horror, is as real to the child, if it's seen as real and it's as shocking to the child just because it looks very realistic but it's not realistic, then you, in a sense you're right. The trauma that happens to that child... Is it beds down for the yeah. future. But, OK, so let me ask you this question. What about a child seeing pornography as mm. an act and then sees sex as a real act? Mm. Do, you, do, do you think that it would make a mark on them before they're ready for it, if they saw it in a movie as fiction? No, I agree. I mean, I think, I think it's about... I do think a certification system is there for a reason. I mean, I think you're not going to see... <laughs> but you've never respected it. No, 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 no. But I mean, I'm not interested in... I've never been interested in showing the girls films which have realistic depictions of gratuitous everyday violence. You know, they're usually very cartoon, they're very extreme, it's very over the top, it's very, you know... And, yeah, I mean, you know, you either have a one-size-fits-all system that says, right, you don't watch this, you don't watch this, you don't watch this. I mean, that's a good argument about about sex. I mean, at what point is fictionalised violence? I think the... I think we just... I think we just... You know, I just think these days people are much more able to allow their child to see violence than they are allowed to see sex. So take a video game, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, it's okay. He's been smashing those cars up all day long. He's been, yeah, taking that gun, blowing somebody's brains out. If he was watching or doing a video game all day with sex, we would all run screaming. Mm. But why, why is violence less... Mm. less of uh, less damaging than, well, than sex. I mean, I remember witnessing a friend of a friend's child playing Grand Theft Auto. And when I asked, oh, what are you doing at this point? Why is the car bouncing up and down? The teenager said to me, I'm running off streetwalker, running over streetwalkers and run, going over their bodies. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that the game allowed that. You can't tell me that that's in good. any way, shape or form that that doesn't desensitise a child. So, and, and, and just before we listen to Carlitos, I think the other thing about PTSD as well is that if PTSD for soldiers, emergency services, mm. I always remember a colleague of mine who had to film at the Turkish earthquake and he, he had to go into therapy for a long time because of the things that he saw in the heat and the, the damage of an earthquake. I'll leave it to your imagination. Um, if he had to go and, you know, if he and if soldiers and if people on the front line and medics and what have you have to have to go into therapy for trauma of what they've seen, why wouldn't children be traumatised? Exactly. Like when, when Maddie talks and, you know, I get really, really sad when I hear Maddie talk about the hopelessness of the future and the hopelessness of humanity. All these things have, have done that. Yeah. These things she's seen. 
I can't bear when she tells me what she's seen. I can't bear even to have heard it just verbalised, let alone to witness. I wouldn't be able to witness someone being roasted over a fire. You know, and she said that was content that came up because often she said if Instagram doesn't pick it up or whatever social media platform doesn't pick it up and put the warning mm. sign because they don't always, she'd sometimes it's just flashed to you without you knowing. Right. Okay, well, let's, let's have a listen to Carlitos. I think the thing with on-screen violence, with me especially, is that it kind of stays with you. Um, say, for example, if you watch a film about someone getting physically abused, you know, um, some may have nightmares about it or it's in your thoughts throughout the day or you just get general anxiety just thinking about what you might have seen. And while it is true that the horrific things can happen at any time, we like to think that our our risk level, um, if that makes sense, is low. Um, you know, we like a reassurance in a way. Um, I think circling back to when I said it stays with you, I remember when I was about 12 or 13, uh, we were at home and I saw this wrestling match that my dad had on the TV. Um, he didn't know I was there, by the way. I was sneaking downstairs to get a snack at night and I saw it on the TV. Um, and this woman was literally breaking this other woman's arm. Um, and it was, it was literally like bent 90 degrees the wrong way. Um, and I could just see the pain on the other woman's face was just so excruciating. And it was just, that was just a horrible thing for me to see. I was, I was literally horrified and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And to this day, I, I, I remember it. Um, you know, crystal clear. I remember her face and everything. And so it kind of stuck with me all these years. So I really do think that these things have an impact on us. Um, I think there is definitely a link between, you know, virtual on-screen violence and, and the, the aggression that one carries in the real world. I'm not sure exactly how it works, um, but I mean, there are studies that confirm what I'm saying and I think I think it was like um, the 1960s. Since the 1960s, there's been proof that exposure to violence in TV and in movies, um, video games, and on the internet increases the risk of violent behaviour. Um, and I think it also does give us a fear of being harmed in a way. Um, we, you know, we like to think that we're safe walking down the street and everything's perfectly fine. But the truth is we're not all the time. And I, for one, you know, I'm always constantly looking over because I have my headphones in. I'm always constantly looking over my shoulder, just making sure everything's OK, you know. Um, and I think that the kind of media, the violence in the media has made me wary of this stuff. Um I think that all the movies and TV shows with just so much violence happening and, you know, how it's set in the real world, it just opens up a whole new, you know, a worry for us to be like, oh, God, that could happen to me too. You know, so I think, I think it does have an impact on the way we think about things and it does really impact our reality. Yeah, and I suppose what you're saying, what Carlitos is saying, is kind of chiming with what you're saying. Mm. I mean, what... Where Bless I'm, him. where I doesn't realise wrestling was all acting. Well, no, 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 no. But he raises a really interesting point that I want to come back to. But 
I suppose I have to interrogate for myself where I've always felt very strongly about this with screen, the depiction of screen violence in fiction and etc. Just because I can tolerate it doesn't mean everyone can tolerate it. Exactly. Just because I can process it, or even as a youngster could, could have maybe processed it, doesn't mean everyone can process it. And because it doesn't necessarily completely brutalise me, doesn't mean it won't brutalise someone else. Um, I mean, it does... It, yeah, he's talking about wrestling. But one of the, 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 the biggest contradictions I've never been able to work out with you is, I mean, I know not the case now, but you used to talk about how you used to like boxing. And I think it's really intriguing. Wrestling I used to love as well. Uh, yeah, but why? When boxing is so violent. Well, one thing I do know for sure, and nobody, no doctor, no psychiatrist, nobody will ever be able to tell me any differently. Our youngest daughter was deeply, deeply, deeply affected by a film and by an event in a theme park which fundamentally changed her and gave her all kinds of levels of anxiety about the world. And I saw it happen. I saw my daughter changed. We mm. unwittingly took her to a film that had um that had a, a different that the certificate was fine, wasn't it? It was unclassified. Well. But it was it petrified her. So I'll never forget it. She jumped from her chair into my lap, absolutely terrible. And she changed from that day. She fundamentally changed. And like you say, you could put ten other kids of that same age and it probably and it wouldn't affect them. But you, it's a Russian roulette. You it don't is know. Russian roulette. But equally I would argue you could say that if it wasn't that, it would have been something else, and that's maybe about the temperament of the child rather mm. than it is necessarily about what was being witnessed. But I think the longer you can protect them, why why, why not? Why risk it? Now I, yeah. I hear you. I hear you when you say that. Um but you you say no contradiction there that you like boxing? No? No, sort of. Boxing wasn't when I was very young, though. That was much, you see, much I think when it's I was really, much older. I think there were really difficult signals sent out to youngsters, especially now with these YouTubers who are now constantly having these public fights. I don't know if you've noticed, big YouTubers now enter into boxing matches with no. each other. And Jake Paul, was it, whatever his name was. And this idea that actually, and, and, kick, and cage fighting and kickboxing and all this kind of stuff... And street fighting, and, and, and there's a whole area of, 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 of sanctioned violence that I'm sure has a part to play in our sort of... But every time there's violence in a film, it's sanctioned violence. Every time there's violence on a video yeah, 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 game, yeah, yeah. it's sanctioned violence. Somebody for, made it yeah, for but other someone people will talk to about, watch. Someone will talk about films, but very, very, very rarely will people ever turn around and go, do you know what, throughout the 70s and 80s, I just remember my dad watching men, invariably people from working-class backgrounds, black, punching the hell out of each other and blood flying everywhere. It was well, horrendous. the same as the wrestling, though we know now it's acting. Like Carlitos says there, her arm was bent double round yeah. her back. But it's been there since the beginning of time. But, you know, humans yeah, gather together. What I'm saying is we can't pick and choose the... the bits that we don't like. You either have a you either have a sort of an attitude to it, which is that is going to sanction violence. And, and, oh, no, in a movie it's terrible. Well, no, actually, I, I actually think boxing and, and, and cage fighting and all of that sort of stuff is, is, is as much of a problem too. Um, should we have it's a just not as widely watched, though, Mark. It's not really. It's quite niche. It's quite I niche. don't think it's as niche as you think. It is. It's very so. niche in comparison. Um, but let's have a read of some, some comments here. Look, someone here, I'm going to keep anonymous just for your sake, says, I'm 16 and I was shown a video of a beheading by a, in inverted commas, friend. Oh, God. I mean, I don't even, I, don't, I can't even imagine. Horrific. I can't even imagine. Um... My young children, 12 and 10, were really affected by George Floyd. And I think, again, mm. the Black Lives Matter thing is really important because you could argue that if you had a total ban on this kind of material being shown anywhere, we would never have seen no. the George Floyd footage. Mm. And we would but have we never... do forget that children have watched a man yeah. be suffocated to death. 
I mean, it's been shown so many times now. Mm. I doubt there's a living human being that hasn't seen it. Mm. The Dunham family says, I was exposed to a lot of violence-related stuff like Columbine, the shooting, and Dharma, the serial killer. Mm. It's interesting. It doesn't necessarily need to be just physical, mm. acute physical violence. It can mm. be different types of violent situations. I mean, do you remember that awful case? Was it Sweden where the guy went on the rampage oh, on that so island? Norway. Norway, yeah. Uh, someone else here says, this is partly the reason why I haven't had children yet or ever. I'm too scared because the world is so bad. I get it. I get it. Uh, Mary says, I'm against graphic violence in video games. They reward violence. That's a really interesting phrase. Yeah, you get get extra lives, you get extra levels, you get coins, you get lifestyle choices in games. That's a really interesting point, Mary. Um, It's really scary how normal they see running around shooting people's heads off again in computer games, says Susie. Um, They see too much, says Nora. It's hard to block everything from them. It is. It's impossible. Well, I mean, you can have parental controls. Yeah, but look, look, I just drove past a group of boys and they were all looking at one phone. Doesn't matter what you're I mean, are you going to watch them every minute they're out of the house? Yeah. Erin says they become entirely desensitised as a way to cope with not being able to do anything about real violence. Exactly, their powerlessness. That's what I think when Maddie gets really down, I think she feels such a sense of powerlessness. Yeah. Of the evil and the danger of the world. But Erin goes on to make a really interesting distinction here. Desensitisation doesn't mean less empathy, though. Just recognition that violence is abundant. That's a very important That's distinction, very important actually, distinction. because I think that must be what Maddie meant when she yes. didn't quite know how to articulate. I'm not desensitised yeah, yeah, yeah. because I still feel for these people, but I kind of... It's not a shock to me anymore that you, that there are these kinds of human beings and that mm. there are millions of them. Mm. Phoebe says, I'm not a parent, but I am a teen and I am constantly in group chats where porn is being sent as well as other yeah, explicit images under the premise mm. of memes. Yeah. And I do yeah. think meme memes, culture yeah. is, is, is a we bit We were talking of a worry. about that work today. Somebody yeah. was telling us a very troubling story about the fact that you can just, these kids can just be put on any WhatsApp group. Sure. And it's really hard to leave the WhatsApp group. And then there's all these photos of these, a lot of, penis photos and all of this shared with really young kids, like 12, 13 years old. Mm. Way which says, a 15 rating now is more like an 18. Exactly, uh, we watched even a 15 the other day and I was like, what? I sat yeah. there with Kiki watching it. Okay, she's not 15 and maybe I shouldn't have been watching it, but I was surprised about the level of stuff on it. Yeah, she goes on to say, it's just so messed up what's considered okay to enjoy. Uh, Amelia says, however, on the other end of the spectrum, I watched horror films from a very early age and I couldn't hurt a fly. I'm the softest person you could know. I don't think we're saying that it makes you violent. I think that we're, we're talking more along the along the lines of what does it actually do? Mm. What shift does it cause inside you, mm. you know? And Vix finally Hope says, the final comment here is, <laughs> I love the way we've managed to get soap operas in, it's frightening just how much is normalised, even on soaps mm. these days. It, it's a shame that the acting in soaps isn't as good as the violence, though, mm. isn't it? Because they are pretty violent. I mean, they, they have they, gotten so much more violent. They have, haven't they? they? Well, there you go. I mean, that, that was a really interesting... I mean, as you can see, it's never just one thing. I mean, I'm reminded of when I worked for um, the Evening Standards news station, of the comment, which is, you know, an often used comment by lots of people who work in journalism, which is, if it bleeds, it leads. And I think, you know, when you live in a culture where that is not only the editorial uh, sort of agenda, and we're also, I think as humans, we have to accept we are drawn to darkness. We are drawn to catastrophe. Yeah, of course, because it fascinates us. It fascinates us. I mean, like you were saying earlier on that you touched on, you know, 
just the moment at the new with the news, you know, mm. looking in it, looking at India, yeah, yeah. and I was thinking, my God, you know, we never saw anything like this. Mm. We're literally watching people die out. So then I thought about, it and I thought, well, in our day, we were seeing pictures of Ethiopia and, and children Ireland. dying, and starving to death. Yeah, 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 yeah Northern Ireland. Yeah, yeah. So I think again, it's all relative, and uh, but we will also be talking in, in another chat about actual violence, violence on the street, on the street. and how to and deal how with it happens. and how that mm. happens. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>